Good day and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the WIC Q1 2023 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 11 on your telephone. You will then hear an automated message advising that your hand is raised. To withdraw your question, please press star 11 again. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Rona Davis, Head of PR and Communications. Please go ahead. Thanks and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Wix's first quarter 2023 earnings call. Join me today to discuss the results are Avishai Abrahami, CEO and co-founder, Mir Zor, our President and COO, and Leo Shemesh, our CFO. During this call, we may make forward-looking statements, and these statements are based on current expectations and assumptions. Please consider the risk factors included in our press release and most recent Form 20F that could cause our actual results to differ materially from these forward-looking statements. We do not undertake any obligation to update these forward-looking statements. In addition, we will comment on non-GAAP financial results and key operating metrics. You can find all reconciliations between our GAAP and non-GAAP results in the earnings material and in the Interactive Analyst Center on the Investor Relations section of our website, investors.wix.com. With that, I'll turn the call over to Abishai. Thanks, Rona, and good morning, everyone. We have had a fantastic start to 2023, and I'm pleased to say that we exceeded our expectation across many areas of our business. The drivers of our results this quarter were broad-based across our business, both on the top line and on the profitability. Revenues in Q1 grew to $374 million above our guidance. We generated $44 million of free cash flow, excluding one-time charges and also ahead of our expectations. These great results are a testament to the strong execution of our strategy to provide the best platform of innovative product for our users while increasing operational efficiency and discipline. Much of the growth this quarter was also driven by our partners' business. This year, scaling our business with partners, including designers, freelancers, and enterprise partnerships, remain a key strategic Partners' revenue growth accelerated this quarter, up 27% year-over-year. We recently announced some exciting products for partners, including Wix Headless, and have many more incredible product announcements and marketing plans for later this year. The outperformance of this first quarter is very encouraging, so we are raising our revenues and free cash flow outlook for the full year, as well as pulling forward many of our profitable targets for 2023. Our profitability outperformed boosted our confidence in achieving the rule of 40 in 2025. I will let Neil and Leo share more detail about this quarter, and then I will close with my thoughts on AI. Neil? Thank you, Avishai, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I'll share a bit more details about our, our performance this quarter is it relates to our user cohorts, some color on our marketing investment in the quarter following the recently announced strategy shift, and an update on our focus on operational efficiency. 
Let's start with user cohort performance. Our Q123 new user cohort performed exceptionally well with 5.4 million new users collectively, generating more than 30 million in dollars in bookings in this first quarter. Easily the highest same quarter booking in a non-COVID co non cohort, and on a base of a significantly smaller size cohort. This clearly indicates the inherent improvements in the fundamentals of our business, including subscription conversion and average collections per subscription, as well as stable retention. Diving deeper into these fundamentals, shows the returns from our focus on bringing higher intent self-creator users and partners, which convert at higher rates. It is also the result of higher monetization driven by users choosing higher price subscriptions, strong adoption of business solutions applications, more transaction revenue as a result of higher GPV and increased stake rates, and continued contribution from our B2B partnerships. We expect these trends to continue in the coming quarters this year. Lastly, this performance is a testament to the strength and scale of our global brand as reflected in the success of our marketing strategy shift implemented last year. As a reminder, based on tests we started last summer, we determined that we could keep new cohort bookings stable even if we reduce acquisition marketing spend by half. We continued this marketing strategy this quarter and decreased acquisition marketing spend by approximately 47% year over year, while still increasing new cohort bookings. After more than eight months of expanding and perfecting this new strategy, we are confident in the results and therefore expect investment in acquisition marketing to remain at reduced levels throughout the rest of the year and beyond. In addition to the strong fundamentals and the significant increase in marketing effectiveness, we also intensified our focus on driving operating efficiency across our business. We successfully implemented the cost savings outline last quarter, as well as realized additional hosting optimization opportunities and continued to decrease headcounts. We ended Q1 with 5,006 employees, down 18% year over year from nearly 6,100 employees in Q1 2022. With that, I will now hand it over to Lior to walk through more details on our financials. Lior? Thanks, Nir. This quarter was marked by fantastic profitability improvements that allowed us to achieve our 2023 profitability targets much earlier than anticipated. Even more importantly, these steps firmly put us on a path to achieving Rule of 40 in 2025 with significant expansion of our margins. In Q1, we grew gross margins by nearly 500 basis points, driven by hosting optimization and headcount efficiencies, among other cost savings. We further drove operating leverage by executing on our new marketing strategy, reducing headcount and implementing savings across our entire operating cost structure. Non-GAAP operating expenses as a percentage of revenue declined significantly from 77% in Q1 2022 to 
to just under 54% in Q1 2023, resulting in the highest non-GAAP operating income in our history. These efforts drove free cash flow generation to finish higher than anticipated. Looking past this year, we expect to continue this quarter's momentum by advancing our commitment to operational efficiencies across all aspects of our organization. Continued cost management, mostly across operating expenses, will enable us to, to drive further leverage and expand our cash flow margin significantly. In addition to our continued profitability improvements, I'm also very excited about the execution of our strategic initiatives. Particularly, our focus on the partner's business that will enable us to continue to deliver growth in the coming years. Now, onto the details of the quarter. The fundamentals of our business remain strong this quarter, which led us to exceed the top end of our guidance range for revenue. Total revenue was $374 million this quarter, up 10% year-over-year. Total bookings were $415 million in Q1, up 6% year-over-year. Remember that we signed our partnership with LegalZoom in Q1 2022, creating a difficult co co comparison this quarter. Removing this amount from bookings in Q1 of last year, our FX neutral year-over-year year -year bookings growth was 13%, a better indication of our growth compared to the prior year we saw an acceleration in transaction revenue growth this quarter, up 16% year-over-year to $42.3 million. This growth was driven by higher GPV of $2.7 billion, up 6% year-over-year, as well as higher overall tech rate as merchant adoption of WIX permits continue to increase. As Avishai mentioned, Partners is a major area of focus and growth for us this year, Partners' revenue grew to $103.9 million, up 27% year-over-year. This is an acceleration in growth compared to the prior couple of quarters, as more agencies and developers build projects on Wix, and we increase our monetization of professionals, particularly as they increasingly generate more GPV. This quarter, we also began to see some early but still very minimal revenue contribution from the B2B partnerships, we signed over the past couple of years. More impressively this quarter, we intensified our focus on driving operational efficiencies across the business. These actions allow us to achieve the profitability milestones planned for later in the year, much earlier in Q1. By implementing the cost-saving strategy introduced last quarter, as well as additional hosting optimization and headcount efficiencies, Non-GAAP gross margin increased to 67% in Q1, making it the highest quarterly gross margin since 2020. Growth in the creative subscription revenue along with cost discipline drove non-GAAP gross margin for creative subscriptions to above 80% in Q1, an increase of 450 basis points year over year. Both of these gross margin targets were originally anticipated for later in the year. Our continued implementation of our new marketing strategy that Neil spoke about earlier, along with additional savings across our operating cost structure this quarter, resulted in the highest quarterly non-GAAP operating income in our history of 48.5 million or 13% of revenue. As we mentioned last quarter, we did take a one-time charge of $25.3 million related to the headcount reduction we announced in February 
and impairment charges related to operating leases as we align our footprint with our current needs. As a result of our growth and a focus on operational efficiency, we generated $44 million of free cash flow, or 12% of revenue. This excludes CapEx related to the build-out of our headquarters, as well as the cash portion of the one-time severance charges I just discussed, which was about $2.1 million in Q1. Free cash flow performed better than expected and gave us more confidence in our ability to achieve the rule of 40 in 2025. Now let me finish with our outlook for Q2, for Q2 and 2023. We expect total revenue in Q2 to be $380 million to $385 million, representing approximately 10 to 12% year-over-year growth. For the full year, we're increasing our out outlook. We now expect total revenue to be approximately $1.52 billion to $1.54 billion, representing approximately 10 to 11% year-over-year growth. This is an increase from our prior expectation of $1.51 billion to $1.53 billion, or 9 to 11% growth. We are also updating our profitability expectations for the full year as we continue to drive efficiencies across our operating cost structure. We now expect non-GAAP gross margin to increase to 67% for the year, up from the 66 previously expected. Creative subscription non-GAAP gross margin is now expected to be 81%, up from 80 previously expected. Non-GAAP operating expenses in 2023 are now expected to be down year over year to 58 to 59% of revenue compared to 59 to 60% of revenue as previously expected, driven by lower sales and marketing expenses and general incremental operational efficiencies. As a result, we are increasing our outlook for free cash flow for 2023 to 172 million to 180 million, or 11 to 12% of revenue, exiting the year with a free cash flow of more than 13%. This compares to our previous expectation of 152 million to 162 million, or 10 to 11% of revenue, and an exit margin of 12 to 13%. Note that our free cash flow outlook excludes our headquarters build-out costs as well as approximately 4.5 million of cash restructuring costs. Finally, stock-based compensation is expected to decrease to 14% to 14 to 15 percent of revenue in 2023, down from our previous expectation of 15 percent, and down from 17 percent of revenue in 2022, as headcount across the organization declines more than originally anticipated. I'm very happy with our result this quarter and our revised outlook for the remainder of the year. I now turn it back to Abishai. Thanks, Lior. I have been getting a lot of questions about AI lately. So I want to share my thoughts to close out uh, our time today. My own background prior to Wix was in the development of advanced computing algorithms, including AI, which is why I find the recent AI breakthrough so exciting. In fact, the data and AI groups here at Wix report directly to me. Over the past decade, we've been unlocking more and more opportunities based on AI breakthrough while also collaborating with the best teams on the planet at OpenAI, GoogleX, IBM, and others. My thoughts on AI can be summarized in three key points. 
First, our goal with Wix is to remove friction. The easier it is for a user to build websites, the better Wix is. We have proven this many times before through the development of software and products, including AI. As we make it easier for our users to achieve their goals, their satisfaction goes up, conversion goes up, user retention goes up, monetization goes up, and the value of Wix grows. In 2016, we launched Wix ADI, an AI-based site creation platform. In fact, it's equivalent to using a prompt to build a site. The user enters some basic information about their business, and the AI recommend the pages, images, and text that make sense, and then generate the site personalized to the business. Obviously, the text generation ability in 2006 were a bit naive compared to the recent gen AI tools of today. That said, due to our long-established team and institutional knowledge of AI, it was easy for us to replace that initial text generation tool with OpenAI ChatGPT for our text, uh, AI text creation, which we introduced earlier this year. Today, new emerging AI technologies create an even bigger opportunity to reduce friction in some areas that were almost impossible to solve a few years ago. When we embed these technologies into our platform, it increased value for our customers. We believe this opportunity will result in an increased addressable market and many more satisfied users. We have over 200 AI and Gen AI models deployed on our platform, both to simplify complex technology for our users and to improve internal workflows and development efficiencies. This model powers many processes and innovation of ours, including full site creation, text creation, image manipulation and enhancement, site design, user support, user sentiment analysis, site classification, recommendation engines, semantic search, forecasting, and many more. In the coming months, we will introduce even more AI tools to, fully powered by LLM to, and, and proprietary algorithms, which will, of course, include full site creation that not only generate content, but also the design and the layout. It will also integrate with everything you need to run a business, such as e-commerce, scheduling, SEO, and more. The second important point is that there is a huge amount of complexity in software, even with websites, and it's growing. The question today is not when AI will be able to create content, the content for a website. That already has been possible for many years. Wix, ADI, fully demonstrated that. The big question today is what happens when AI can generate all the content and the code of the software needed to run a fully functional website. For example, even if AI could code a fully functional e-commerce website, which I believe we are still very far from, there is still a need for the site to be deployed to a server to run the code, to make sure the code continues to work, to manage and maintain the database for when someone wants to buy something, to manage security, to ship products, to partner with payment gateways, and many more things. So even if you have something that can build pages and content and code, you still need much more. That gets to my third and final point, and that is, even in the far future, if AI is able to automate all of those layers, it will have to disrupt a lot of software industry. You will no longer need a database management, server management, and cloud computing. 
I believe we are very far from that. And that before then, there will be many more opportunities for Wix to leverage AI and create value for our users. To add to that, the value of what we do today is allowing a user to capture their story and bring it to the web. It is not the text that ChatGPT generates. It's, it's helping the user use ChatGPT to create their version of that text, to tell their story. It's not about mid-journey, using mid-journey to create images for your business. For example, like a yoga studio or an amusement park, you need an image of your yoga studio and your amusement park. For your e-commerce site, you need images of your products that are being sold. The images have to be real, and the story needs to be real. And the value of telling that story online and how to do it well is a big part of what we do here at Wix. As you can tell, I'm tremendously excited about the power of AI and, and the power that AI is bringing and the amazing opportunities it will create for our users and our business. Thank you again for joining, and we will now take your questions. Certainly. As a reminder, to ask a question, please press star 11 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. To withdraw your question, please press star 11 again. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. One moment for our first question. And our first question will come from Yigal Uranian of Citigroup. Your line is open. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, good afternoon. Um, I, I just I want to a lot of good color on uh, on the AI, and I would just want to focus on that maybe um, a little bit more um, specifically on that last point where you talk about more opportunities to leverage AI and add value for users. Um, you know, even kind of further into the future as all this evolves. I, I guess I want to maybe expand on that point a little bit. And as we talked to investors over the past couple of weeks, as you know, this question has come up more. You know, uh, I think the, the the biggest fear is that you know, all this stuff happens um, and that, you know, folks start to go to some of the larger players um, in, in AI where, you know, you can build websites and do some of these things. And as they develop their AI capabilities, they start to de develop some of this stuff more. So let me just talk about, um, you know, how you envision that and why as, as the AI capabilities improve, um, you expect users to continue to come to Wix. Of course. Well, first thing I want to say is that the first part of your question, right, is about what kind of opportunities to leverage AI do we get, right? And I think it's about a few things. I'll start with the first one. It's about how many of the people that try to build a website on Wix actually finish with a website that they are very happy with, right? And the more we increase that ratio, the better is the customer experience, the longer those customers will stay with us, and, of course, the better monetization. And we've proven, right, with ADI in 2016, but by just generating a lot of the things automatically for the users, so the text which we did and the images and the, and the layouts, we increased conversion. I think the current technology allows us to do it even farther. So I look at it as a way for, and, and a website is a combination of many things, not just the text. So ChatGPT helps us with some of it, but you still have to have the, the right structure, the right visual, the right layout, the right design, and way to use the user images. So there's a lot of work there. And uh, so I think this is the first part, right, creation of the website. The next part is how do you edit and modify and use the website. There, it's a bit harder to use any of the current standard models because you want to replace an image. You don't want to write, I'm going to, I want to replace the third image and the fifth column 
can you please change it to something? Actually, it's easier to go and click and point on it. And, and, and you don't want to generate all the text from the beginning. You just want to do the specific part. So this requires a lot of complex UI. But uh, I think ADI proved that you can do it, and, and, and when you do it well, it works very well. So I think this is the first part. Right? We're going to see better, happier users and, and faster site creation and more sites being finished to the user's satisfaction. The second part is when you start to have things like Copilot and a way for the AI to help you understand what you need to do next and how to add things, you can actually use more of our software uh, capabilities, right? Because today you kind of have to know yourself what you want to do and then find how to do it. But if we can guide it with AI, and, and Microsoft is demonstrating a lot of really cool things with Copilot uh, on Excel, for example, then we can actually take it to another level. So we actually have the ability to take users that use it in a certain way and make them use better and more ways. And I think that also creates the next part, which is the, the, the more that you have stronger AI tools, the more important is the power of the platform itself and not just how quickly you can type content. Because if we now have a way for you to finish everything and now utilize more of the platform, then the fact that you have a deeper software layer actually become a lot more valuable. And uh, so I think we are very optimistic that this will actually enable us to give more power and, and for our users, make their sites more successful, and as a result, uh, make us, uh, uh, put us in a, in a better place as a company. I think your second part was about you, uh, why, uh, what, what is the chance of uh, uh, people moving to the AI companies to build the website, if I understood correctly, or I misunderstood it? Yeah, that's yeah. essentially it. They, they leverage their, their AI capabilities and build, you know, create website builders and replicate what you're doing and, you know, use this new over there. So why, why people stay on Lex? Yeah, but, uh, so, okay, so, but if you look at what you can do today with AI, there are actually two things that are changed dramatically. The first one is the creation of text, right, which is moved, changed dramatically. And images, which you can invent images and, and, and do that. Uh, uh, but as I said, you know, we've been doing it for a very long time. And, uh, of course, not in the similar in text generation, not nearly as good as ChatGPT. But, but this is a very small part of what we do, right? Because how do you use that to create e-commerce, right? How do you use that to make a scheduling engine? Just think about all the way that you need to sign contracts with payment processes to run that. How, uh, how do you edit things, okay, on top of it? So pretty much 98% of what we work on and develop, right, is not covered by that. You need your site to be running well. You need it to be managed well. You need to have SEO. You need to have security. And then you need the ability to update content. You need to have the ability to do slideshow and, and scheduling, e-commerce, transaction, collect leads. All of those are not covered. So what you can do, essentially, is create, and with all those tools on the basic level, is create simple landing pages, right, which is kind of like a very static page. But you could always do that already with Microsoft Word. You can just go and type the text and publish it as HTML and put it in some hosting company. So, and, and those guys have never been our competitors, the ones that do that, okay, that do those very basic simple landing pages. In fact, you can do those on Wix, and it is a very small portion of our business. So if you look at the majority of our business, I think there is a very, still very, uh, quite a few years, and probably 
more than just quite a few years until we see that the eyes starting to cover that kind of, uh, of, of software. Great, thank you. That's really helpful. If I could just ask a quick follow-up on some, you know, a little bit more near term. Um, a number of uh, interesting product announcements this quarter. Um, if, if you could just expand on the, on the Google Ads one, because you talked about that being a meaningful contributor to growth and business solutions. And then I thought the, the news around um, the Headless products was, was really interesting and you know, could potentially um, open up the opportunity with the partners a little bit more. So maybe we could just hit on that as well. Thank you. Well, this is actually a good demo of where we are utilizing the power of advanced algorithms to bring an AI to bring more value for, for users, right? It's a way for you to not understand anything about what you need to do in Google in order to create great advertisement, and for us to fully create that and generate it for you. And uh, by doing that, we reduce the, uh, the friction uh, for our user have. Um, and running successful Google campaign is a very, uh, well, it's a real skill that you need to learn. It takes time, and we use advanced algorithms to do it for the users. And the result of that is that we have more, uh, uh, the, the happier users, that have, their business is more successful, and of course for us it means more monetization opportunities. It is, as funny as it is, it, it, it's also being used a lot by uh, what we call partners, web agencies, because even for them it provides so much value and reduction of friction and, and labor that we see a lot of the uh, professionals are using that product. Thank you. And one moment for our next question. And our next question will come from Aaron Kessler of Raymond James. Aaron, your line is open. Great. Uh, thank you. Maybe just a couple questions. Maybe just uh, you comment a little bit on the macro and the letter, just maybe your um, updated thoughts there and kind of the environment we're seeing, especially with SMBs right now. And second, just the non-GAAP OPEX guide, I think uh, you lowered that a little bit, but still looks, given the strong Q1 performance there, it looks relatively conservative. The guide, just any updates on uh, on that non-GAAP OPEX for the year as well. Thank you. Uh, hey, Aaron, it's Nir. I'll, I'll take this first part, and, and, uh, and Lior can follow up on the second part uh, in regards to the OPEX. So in terms of the macro environment, uh, you know, I, we've seen some modest improvements uh, kind of across the board um, in terms of uh, on the demand side, top of funnel, uh, some, I would say, some recovering growth in GPV, a little bit in, in the transaction revenue, as well as the, 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 the subscription behavior uh, of the, both the existing cohorts and the new cohorts. Uh, that being said, it's, you know, it's still relatively early. The increase is, is modest. Uh, so we're being cautious uh, not to call it a recovery, but we do point out that we're seeing a little bit of it. Hey, Aaron, this is uh, Lior. With regard to the OPEX, I think that this is one of, uh, um, you know, in my mind, one of the most amazing things that we will man manage to achieve. Um, OPEX uh, this year, uh, the non-GAAP OPEX is going to be uh, around 58 uh, to 59%. Um, and I believe that this trend of uh, taking down OPEX as a percentage of revenue will continue into 2024 and 2025, um, which brings me the confidence and ability to meet the target that we set 
uh, for the rule of 40. Uh, so you should expect it to continue decline as a percentage of revenue uh, even in the next uh, couple of years, and, and, and it will be significant. And just in terms of 23, though, I think you did 54% in Q1 in terms of the non-GAAP OPEX. I guess any reason it wouldn't be lower than that 58, 59 for the full year? Yeah, because as we mentioned last time, the second half of the year, uh, we do plan to invest more in branding um, for uh, uh, for the weeks, uh, uh, especially with regard to the partners' uh, uh, vertical. Mm -hmm. Um, and we said that we are going to do that in the second half of the year, um, so it's reflect that. Great, thank you. In one moment for our next question. And our next question will come from Mark Mahaney of Evercore ISI. Your line is open, Mark. Great, thanks. Two questions. Could you talk about the revenue growth uh, outlook in order to get to that rule of 40? I think um, for the full year, your guidance implies maybe the potential for very modest acceleration. Are there factors that could cause that revenue growth rate, you know, over the next two or three years to get back to the kind of the mid-teens levels? And, and if it does, what would be the two or three biggest drivers of that? And then secondly, just on Google Ads, could you just talk through the mechanics of that or the materiality of that? Um, uh, thank you very much. Okay, so for the first question, um, you know, Mark, we obviously see a tremendous growth in terms of our partners' business, uh, approximately 30%, uh, very much in line of what we said during the analyst day. But I must tell you that I didn't plan into my model um, growth or acceleration growth in revenue in order to achieve the rule of 40, meaning that the rule of 40 will be mostly achieved uh, by, by more efficiency and leverage coming from uh, both of gross margin, uh, but mostly operating margins. Um, with regard to the Google Ads, um, look, this is something that uh, we started, and, and it's a great, as Avishai mentioned, it's a great monetization of, of our funnel, of our, you know, um, customers. Uh, it is millions of dollars. Um, I don't want to provide uh, the exact amount, but this is one of... Uh, the very exciting growth driver for our business solution. Okay. Thank you, Lior. One moment for our next question. And our next question will come from Elizabeth Porter of Morgan Stanley. Your line is open. Great. Thank you very much. It really helpful color on why kind of the current AI platforms aren't a replacement for Wix. But you also referenced emerging AI technologies providing the opportunity to actually increase Wix's addressable market. So could you provide more color on who that incremental user type is that you expect to be able to address and, and how that's different than your core TAM today? Of course. I think that uh, one of the things that we always see in Wix is that we have a lot of users that come to Wix, and sometimes uh, – uh, they can't finish the website that they want. And there are many reasons for that, right? Some some of the reasons is that it's just, you know, takes too much time. At, at the end of the day, you have to personalize the template. You have to, even if you use ADI, you're still going to have to go around and fix a lot of things. Understand how to do that. You need to understand how the, how the user interface works for that. So reduction of that complexity and, and making Wix more available to users that are less advanced or don't have the time 
is something that we think is one direction of increasing that addressable market. The other side of it is exactly the opposite, is that users that actually understand how to use the platform pretty well, but cannot use the more advanced functionality, or don't know that it exists, right? So you come to Wix and you think about, oh, I need to have a, an application that does something specific, and it's not obvious to you, or you cannot find how to do it on Wix. And, and these are actually the opposite, right? Because on one side, those are the we have users that don't have the time and sophistication, and here we have users that have a lot of time and sophistication. For example, and they'll be using Velo to actually code things into their website. Here, I think, we have the advantage that we, with AI, we can expose them, give them the ability to ask way more complex questions and get more detailed answers and actually guide them into where they should be going. And so, in, 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 in other words, I think that the expansion of addressable market will go both ways toward more advanced users, more advanced uh, functionality, and then for the people that just want to finish your website quickly and, and do it and get, get results. I think those are both directions that uh, it will allow us to expand into. Great. And then on the B2B partnership side, you mentioned that it's starting to impact revenue in the model. And, and while it's small today, how should we think about the magnitude of the impact kind of building through this year into 2024? So I believe that, um, um, Elizabeth, if you take uh, the overall uh, bookings that we already had and, you know, some of the deal we already uh, mentioned, you know, in the past, um, it is growing very fast, meaning that 2023 we are going to see millions of dollars, and I guess that uh, 2024 it will be more like tens of millions of dollars. Um, but it's growing, and, and we are we're able to sign more and more deals, and, and this segment is actually growing very nicely. Uh, I do want to mention that we see less people that are willing to sign for a multi-year agreement. Nevertheless, we see many of them actually moving to Wix and you know, start to use Wix for their customers. Great. Thank you. And one moment for our next question. Our next question will come from Clark Jeffries of Piper Sandler. Your line is open, Clark. Hello. Thank you for taking the question. Um, first question is for Lior. I mean, one metric that seems to jump off the page is improvement in, in net new ARR and creative subscriptions ARR. I, I wanted to ask what specifically drove the improvement. I mean, the color around the Q1 cohort is helpful, but doesn't seem to really fully reflect inflection there. Uh, wondering if you could maybe break apart maybe changes in churn or, or what might drive that improvement in the ARR um, from uh, Q4 to Q1. Well, so there are, there are a few reasons for that. The first one, I might say that it's uh, coming from uh, the growth that we see in our partners' business. We see more and more agencies uh, using Wix um, and, and building uh, and existing uh, agencies, uh, building more websites for their customers. Uh, and we saw... Uh, also, uh, a better conversion of existing users, uh, creating more subscriptions. Uh, the, the, uh, the third point is, as we mentioned before, is uh, we see uh, more revenue coming from the B2B partnerships. Also has a positive effect uh, on that. So those are like the three main reasons. Uh, oh, and the fourth reason was obviously the ARP increase that was happening this quarter meaning that we see a more shift toward like more expensive packages that has a positive impact on, 
on the growth of uh, creative subscriptions. Perfect. And then just one follow-up. You know, you're characterizing, you know, half of the increase to free cash flow being driven by some of the cost of revenue efficiencies, another half from OPEX. Wondering if you could parse out maybe, you know, where you are in terms of your expectations, splitting that between partners and self-creator. Um, is there a disproportionate amount of the cost savings, both on, co- uh, both on cost of revenue and OPEX, coming from either self-creator or the partner business? Thank you. So, yeah, so obviously it's coming from, uh, from uh, both of them, but mostly from partners. You know, I mentioned many times in the past that we are going to see more leverage in partners while partners is growing, uh, and this is exactly what we are seeing. Uh, we see uh, more leverage coming from the partners, and it's mostly because of the fact that we invested a lot of building this uh, vertical in the, in the last two years, and we started to see the fruits of it and getting more and more leverage from this business. Perfect. Thank you very much. One moment for our next question. Our next question will come from Trevor Young of Barclays. Your line is open. Great. Thanks. Uh, first one, just dovetailing on that prior question. Um, on free cash flow margin, X all the items at 12%. Can you kind of break that down into core self-creator versus partner? Is self-creator kind of still high teens, which would put partner still, you know, modest but improving free cash flow declines? Or is self-creator now north of 20% in light of all your cost actions, which would maybe result in partners? still being quite a bit more negative. And then on the geo-mix, Europe slowed just to to just 5% year-on-year XFX despite easier compares and maybe laughing some of the headwinds that started with, you know, after the Ukraine conflict. Any color on why Europe is slowing? So with regard to the first question, we do not provide at this point of time, you know, the breakdown of the free cash flow between partners to self-creators. I promise that I'm going to do it uh, in the next uh, uh, the next couple of months or in a quarter or two, I will provide all the information. Um, with regard to Europe, you're right. I, I think that it's mainly due to a tough comp in Q1 2022, but we obviously see the effect of also the war in, in, in Europe that affecting uh, the overall business. In one moment for our next question. Our next question will come from Brent Thill of Jeffries. Your line is open, Brent. Thanks. Just a question on the sustainability of, of demand in the back half. I know Nir mentioned it, it's still too early. You don't want to call it a recovery, but you did raise the guidance more than the actual beat in the quarter. Can you just talk to, you know, the visibility and, and, and maybe uh, for Lior, um, can you give us a sense of just what, what the linearity of the quarter looked like and, ultimately what, what happened into April and into, into May? Sure. So the, the way that we provide guidance is we take the KPIs, the fundamentals, as we see right now. We don't improve it, uh, and I didn't count as any, any improvement or further improvement to what we see right now. Based on that, we provided our guidance. Uh, but I, I believe that you see a... Um, uh, increase or acceleration in growth in the second half of the year uh, due to a different comp because, you know, Q1 of last year was a very strong quarter for us. Uh, so, obviously, if you are looking at it on a year-over-year basis, the second half of the year is going to be uh, stronger 
uh, uh, due to that. But again, it's not coming from a place that we uh, we took any kind of assumption about uh, more recovery than what we see right now. April, May also, you know, has been good and, and you know, continue. I cannot say more than that. Thank you. One moment for our next question. And our next question will come from Andrew Boone of JMP Securities. Your line is open. Good morning, and thanks for taking my questions. Um, Abishai, you talked about the importance of integration in the back end in terms of AI. I think in the context of also launching a headless solution, what else do you guys need to build in terms of the back end to make the business more defensible and, and compete against maybe other competitors that are that have already built out kind of headless solutions? And then secondly, thinking about the the self-creator business as well as marketing, as we think about the rest of 2023, can you talk about the puts and takes in terms of marketing spend and how we should be thinking about self-creator revenue growth? Thanks so much. I just want to ask a quick reference to clarify. In the first question, do you mean in regards to AI or just you mean to other headless vendors, software vendors? I, I, I think more broadly. So if I think about the back end and you talk about the defensibility that that creates when you think about AI coming online, if I think about your headless solution, I think those it's somewhat connected in terms of what else you guys can build to make the platform more defensible as well as to attract more headless dollars. I mean, maybe that's wrong, but we talk about then why that thesis is wrong or, or what else you guys need to build there. Well, yeah, I, I, okay. First of all, thank you. I think I understand the question better now. So there's okay, quite a few parts with that. But the first thing is that uh, headless is just one of the things that current model of AI cannot do, right? They can do very basic things, come to code, but and, and, and if you think about the whole stack, right, the things that you need to have a running, a booking, scheduling website, right? So you need databases that build to index the databases, a lot of APIs, and then you need to have also to sign contracts, right, with processing merchants and, 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 and banks, and, and, there's a, and there's a lot of things that you need to do, right? So I think this is something that it's going to take quite a while. And when I say quite a while, uh, we don't even have uh, a clue about the algorithms that we'll need to do something like that yet. That's quite a line in the future. But every element we're going to get from AI that simplify that, of course, provides value for which just because it's allow us to do it better, faster, and reduce the cost. Oh, there's going to be a lot of opportunities on the way for that. As for the headless itself, so, you know, we, we have – Quite a few software stacks that we build that are being used by tens of millions of users and uh, and are uh, uh, quite fantastic, but we never offer them outside of Wix. Now, yes, some in some cases you have competitors that have, uh, uh, like e-commerce, right, where you have really great competitors out there. But in some cases, like scheduling, booking, and the ability to manage a variety of events and, and other things, there's not really anything similar in quality to what we have. So we think the opportunity there is the ability to allow people to use that and, 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 and offer that on their uh, uh, website that are not built on Wix. Uh, and I think that is something that uh, uh, will create for us another uh, marketing channel, which is very different than a standard one. It's mostly based 
on partners and professionals. And, and long term, I think the value there is quite big. There's something that, be, because we actually provide all of the different elements and not just one, like shopping cart, e-commerce based, uh, then the thing is that there's also the integration, so you can actually have all of them offered together and not in separate pieces. And I think that provides quite a, a lot of value. And hey, Andrew, it's near. Uh, in terms of the marketing uh, plans, um, so as, as Leo mentioned, and as we also uh, uh, illustrated uh, in the previous quarter, we do expect on the partner side uh, to see an increase in the marketing as, as we have some initiatives around that segment uh, in the second half of the year. In terms of the sales creators, uh, uh, we will continue uh, the current focus, which is a combination between brand activity as well as, as, the, as the direct acquisition. Uh, it's similar uh, cadence uh, as we've done uh, uh, this past quarter and before, as we see, uh, as we see that marketing strategy, strategy really paying off. Thank you. I would now like to turn the call back to Rona Davis for closing remarks. Thank you for joining and have a good day. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.